just, you know, oh my God, I can't believe I broke all these rules, right? <laughs> but that's life. Yeah. If it, we have, you and I have two episodes of this podcast, Prologue 1 and Prologue 2, that eventually Shh. we will either... <laughs> Brought them no, I'm kidding. Brought them out. Oh my god. No, I'm just kidding. No, we'll, but we we'll, we'll, we'll we'll either sometime. release them as bonus material or re-record them or both. <laughs> as an example Those are for ADHD. Our imperfect episodes. Yes. yes. You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. Too late to be saying you got to go full tilt both loop. Because you're only given a little spark of that. If you lose that, you're not in tension. From me to you, don't ever lose that, because it keeps you alive. Do we want to take a moment to explain this guy? <laughs> sure, go ahead. All right, so uh, this is the time timer. Aaron and I use these as visual timers to, there's Aaron's to keep our his is an older version my this is you're wondering <laughs> he's got the old school time timer from the 1990s oh nice save nice save yeah it's vintage vintage um, collector's item Ugh. so this is this is the old time timer thanks and aaron's holding up the new time timer what, what makes these specials they're just visual representations of time just another visual representation of time and this, this big red space will slowly dissolve or go away. It'll retract into the clock. And then when it hits zero, an alarm goes off. And this is essentially super helpful for ADHDers whom are visual learners. We absorb information visually pretty damn well. So, And we don't have a great sense of time. So being able to yeah. glance out the corner of your eye to see some color dwindling down helps to cue the, you know, thoughts of is this is my time up or how much time do i have left when we're when we're doing something so right i work with clients that use this to uh do their homework different tasks at home all that kind of stuff but we use this here on the podcast to keep track of our time and to hopefully not run over but <laughs> the last episode we did our darndest right to mm -hmm. like we did try to not run over but unfortunately there was a few technical difficulties with Mama Tanti's tapping certain things and us having to adjust a few different things. And we had to add in a little bit of a 15-minute block that we mm -hmm. have to edit around. But this is going to be a recurring theme. We're going to try to stick to like 40 minutes of the actual podcast and hit that 45-minute deadline. So you guys are going to get to try and see how well we do. It's going to be a challenge for us every episode. Yeah, the general idea is to stick to this time. And yes. if we when we hear the beep, we get 60 seconds. So whomever is speaking between Aaron and I, or if we have a guest on, whomever is speaking, when the alarm goes off, you get 60 seconds to wrap up whatever you were saying or make an attempt at the point you were making, but more concise. Aaron and I wrap up, we close out the podcast, and that's it. Yep, we're modeling good time management, hopefully. 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 Fingers hopefully. crossed. <laughs> let's take it away let's do this so what are we talking about today today we are talking about perfectly imperfect which is a another one of those discussions that aaron and i and adhders in the community have all the time uh, essentially what is good enough 
and mm-hmm. what is perfectionism, right? So ADHDers have a have a somewhat nasty habit of seeking perfection in anything from great works of art to peeling an orange. So our perfection knows no bounds. Every activity we perform, we seem to need to make it perfect. It has colors and, and tendencies that feel like obsessive compulsion, but it's unique, you know, it's unique to ADHD and other disorders like it, uh, conditions like it, where we seek perfection. So this episode is a discussion between Aaron and I about what does perfect mean? Uh, why do we seek perfection? What is good enough? Is there such a thing as good yeah. enough? How do we accept ourselves fully right. and believe 100% that we are enough in our own selves, in our own skin, without this external judgment from society or anyone else? So this is a kind of a philosophical episode, but we're going to yeah. jump right into it. So, Stephen, what do you think it means by being perfectly imperfect? Perfectly imperfect right off the bat insinuates for me this sort of tongue-in-cheek, double entendre, there is a stopping point in any task or activity where the work is good enough, where the product is good enough, the product is sellable or publishable or you name it, fill in the blank. However, we as human beings, let alone ADHDers, as animals sometimes tend toward perfection. We get a little obsessive over the the way a product is being received, um, the way a work of art is being received, the way a dinner that you're making for your friends and family is being received. So we sort of have a tendency to outperform. And why do you think that is? I, this tendency to, be honest, to seek perfection. I, I think it comes from a very, I think it stems from a very deep and innate animalistic sense of competition uh, and, and uh, peacocking. I don't know if you've heard the phrase peacocking, but I think a lot of perf- perfection seeking has to do with sort of strutting your stuff for both men and women or gender nonspecific. It's well, this- For you, like, just make it personally. Yeah, sure. You sure. often, and we know this because we were just in a conversation about this right before we hopped on about the editing process and filming. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah. And how you get, totally perfectionistic sometimes when you're in editing or when it's about film projects. So when do you find yourself being perfectionistic? What types of tasks? All right. So for me, the, the, and then I'll answer for me after you go. Yeah. 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 (laughs) For me, for me, the, the journey towards perfectionism or the journey, the journey towards perfection is at its highest or at its most aggressive when I can see the end result and and it's very in your head you have this in my head this yeah. vision of what you think it needs to be or what it, you'd like it to be in in Precisely. your mind's eye yeah so i have it i have an idea of what it looks like at its best whatever product i'm making so you brought up editing mm. i edit these podcasts and before this new model giving ourselves a time frame aaron and i would talk and, and, and discuss and research, et cetera, through these, uh, during these podcast episodes, stringing them out hours long. And that left me a, a mountain of work in post-production. And I could right. see every time what perfect looked like, at least in my opinion, or you know what done was. I think it boils down to what's done. Where is your own, what's, what's your definition of finished? 
and mine is more high art, more, uh, 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 you know, diamond cut, pristine. And fighting that is the urge or the desire to not be editing for 15 hours or 20 hours a week, right? So yeah. we're producing a 30-minute podcast, but if you spend 15 hours on something trying to make it perfect and just, you know, zaps all your energy. It takes all your energy and your focus and your time away. When, realistically speaking, I could give half the time to that same project and come out with a product that's fine, that's good enough. Good enough. Yep. Right. For the for the for what we're trying to accomplish, for the purposes right? it serves, but I, but it Precisely. sounds like for you having those times where you're creating something artistically, or you have that vision in your head of what it should be or what it needs to be in this ideal version of whatever it is, that you get attached to that, and I think a lot of people do that. A lot of people get attached to things they care about or they love or their passions, whether it's art or music or. Any anything that that involves their interests and talents and abilities. Um, for me, I tend to get perfectionistic more around things, definitely in the realm of art, because I, I do a little bit of painting and that kind of thing, painting and design. So sometimes I can get too nitpicky about here's this placement or color or this kind of thing, and I right. just keep refining and refining and refining. And sometimes when you do too much of that, it gets to a point where it's like, Wait, 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 wait. When is this painting done? You know, when do we when do we sign it and hang it up on the easel and say, all right, step back, right. it's done. Right. Because if right. you overpaint it or you correct this little thing, oh, I'm gonna add this shadow, or no, the skin tone's not quite right, or oh, this color isn't isn't exactly the way I want it to be, or oh, it doesn't pop. Like if you you know, dig down into it more and more and more, there's always a, a point in which you can perfect anything almost to the point of you're losing some of that that quality that makes it beautiful or wonderful. Because sometimes, even the oh best, yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah even yeah. the even the best things, like right when we when we really step back, maybe what we think is great in the moment, because we're so deep in the, you know, refining process kind of thing. What we think mm -hmm. in the moment is like, is what we want it to be. Like, if we actually step back, because we're so in it, if we step back and observe it from the outside. Sometimes we realize that actually leaving it, leaving some of those imperfections, leaving the mistakes, leaving the things that make it what it is, is actually what, what makes it beautiful. And, and that mm. maybe that was supposed to be left there. That's the way it was supposed to be done. So, but for me, I do sometimes have to check myself and be like, when do I need to just say good enough? This is it. Yeah. This is, I'm calling this a wrap. And it happens like, in art, but it also happens, I think, for me, especially when it comes to like writing or emails or that kind of thing, because I'm right. a terrible speller. I might be like, you know, I wouldn't say I'm <laughs> dyslexic, but I'm like, I definitely have some issues nah. with with writing things, and I'm nah, like, man, where? I have relatives why did I write two? <laughs> why did I write the same word twice? Or why was yeah. I thinking a word? And I'm writing a different word. Yours so. is more akin to like brain moving faster than the fingers, I think. Exactly. But it yeah. it's frustrating because I'll I'll write and 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 you probably see this in my text messages to you all the time. It's like no, either I have the, no idea what you're talking about. Your text either the autocorrect or something comes up and I'm like I'm saying the wrong word or something. And I'm just like, ah, oh, I want to like hit myself in the head every time. I'm like, why? No. Yeah, but but to to jump in, ironically, you're highlighting 
a, a, a healthy tendency for at least as right, as far as writing is concerned, I don't, you, you may have heard of the vomit draft, right? Just putting all of your thoughts and opinions and ideas onto the page as the first thing you do, not worrying about punctuation, stream of consciousness, flow, cadence, et cetera. Just throw all the ideas on the blank, on the canvas, on the blank canvas, and then go back and, and sculpt the David, right? Um, you were more than halfway there. It's just that urge to go back. It's the urge to, to take two steps back in the middle of your step forward. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. you know, second guessing, forward, like two second steps guessing, back. Right, yeah. Like almost second, second guessing, guessing yourself like stopping mid in the process <laughs> and then taking two steps back. Right. So it's yeah. not even taking a step forward. It's not even making that first. It's step. like you're like half halfway a step through. <laughs> And then, and then you're the like, air. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, let me start again. <laughs> Half a step, you know, which is, which there's no progress for it. There's almost progress for it, but you keep checking yourself. Yeah. And I run into that problem all the time to, to be sure, uh, um, checking yourself before even getting started. And I think that's a big thing in ADHDers is that we doubt ourselves or we get into these cycles. Cause I, I see this and I'll just say this for myself. Like when I have an email to write, it will take me 20 to 30 minutes minimum oh, yeah. to oh, write yeah. a damn email and i know <laughs> it's like this email <laughs> should take five minutes my wife she writes an email done three minutes perfect i'm like yeah ah i'm so jealous i'm yeah. so jealous of her and then for me i'm like okay this stupid dinky little email that doesn't matter i have to spend 20 minutes because i spend the first 10 drafting the thing putting my ideas in. Then I go back and I correct it and I look through it and I read it over and I make sure mm -hmm. I didn't make any mistakes mm -hmm. and on and on and on. And then I finally send the dang thing. And that's not efficient, but no. it, it is what it is. And, and like, so I have to realize that, look, I have this tendency that like the, the one way around this would be just screw it. Send these emails off that have mistakes and don't care. Right. Or, right produce subpar quality work, but that's not what we want to do. Or in the age of a technology advancement, uh, some of our friends and fellow ADHDers will make sh hotkeys, right? They'll make hotkey shortcuts. So if you get, you know, a, a typical email that you, a typical type of email that you get frequently throughout the week, you can draft a copy paste response, you know, like a hot key response. Right. So all you have to press is command F3 or F6. Right. You set the hot key. Send. Yeah. And you, you can, can, and you can, can send, send a response, which sounds fantastic on paper. And man, do I want to employ that technique, but show me the time on my calendar in which I can sit down and figure that shit out. And my head will explode. Right. And, so, I, and you just reminded me, I do use Grammarly a lot grammarly I, oh right I, right i told yeah. you about that i don't know if you use yeah. that but for me I, it's a application that i think it's a plug-in for um you know works in in word but it also works in gmail so mm. as i'm writing drafting an email or something anything that's online like it goes through and it it highlights spelling errors or com comma errors or gra grammatical such errors, a helpful so. tool such a helpful yes. tool i rely on you that <laughs> You know what this this uh, conversation reminds me of a small anecdote. I just moved to LA, and my girlfriend and I both work in film, and it's been a while since I did anything uh, hands-on film-related while being out in Los Angeles and settling in. So the first gig involve, involving me holding a camera, physical camera, came about this week, 
just hmm. Monday, actually. And it's a, it was an old classmate of mine, and she was only in town for a day, and she and a friend were recording at a music studio. She reached out and asked if I could film the two of them after they had already recorded the song. And she knew that I did this for about a year and a half for another company in New York, so she called the right guy. I, it's like riding a bike, right? But even though this is something I've done 150, 200, 250 times with that many different bands and musical artists, even still knowing full well what amount of work I need to put in to get a positive response, right? A net positive response. Even still, I question myself in the room. I, you know, I push myself to the limits. I sweat. I stretch, I try and get unique shots. I think what unique shots look like. And then we're all sitting in the kitchen after four hours of filmmaking, just me and a camera, and we're watching the playback and I'm self-deprecating, I'm in my head. I'm like, I don't know if this is that great. I haven't done this in months and months and months. Doubting, 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 doubting. And mm. sure enough, I go to the bathroom and I hear from the kitchen, <gasps> Oh my God. Oh, this is amazing. Oh my God, Steven. Oh man, we're genius, blah, blah, blah. Oh, everyone's freaking out, right? And I come back from the bathroom, I'm like, what's up? They're just going through all the clips on the camera and everyone's losing their minds. And I'm right. reminded in moments like that that I have a personal and unique only to me barometer for success, perfection, doneness. And that barometer not only doesn't match most others, but far exceeds the barometer for success, doneness, perfection of the people I'm serving, of the people I'm working for or, or working with, et cetera, right? So I, right. I have to constantly remind myself, not only it's more, it's a little more nuanced than you're good enough. It's like, no, dude, what you do is impressive and you don't need to worry so much about the end result and, and whether or not it'll it'll sell, right, quote-unquote, yeah. it has proven to. So it's almost like tr it's, it's, it, it, it kind of boils down to trust yourself. Trust yeah. that you, trusting you, in yourself yeah. or believing in yourself. Like I tell cli coaching clients this all the time, that you that gauge of like that you were describing just now, that gauge of when it's done and what mm. standards you're setting. Is it right. realistic? Are the standards realistic or are they unrealistic? Oh, my God. That's actually, I mean, that's the... That's it. That's the nail on the head. The standards, right? What are your standards versus other others' standards? Because when we talk about perfect, perfection, yeah. it's it's innately an unrealistic standard. We never mm. get to perfect, even though we shoot for mm. it. Michelangelo shoots for perfect. Everyone, every artist, every creator. Still today, shoots. he's got a studio in yeah. Los, Los Villas. And <laughs> I'm telling you, man, that guy has been working on Mi the same Miguel, damn statue. Miguel Angelo. Yes. Yeah, Miguel mm. Angelo. Nice. And he has been, yeah, nonstop, nonstop, that guy. <laughs> Everyone keeps telling him, dude, you, like, you already did the Sistine Chapel. Like, like mm -hmm. lower your standards, man. Like, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're no, you're famous, right. man. Come on. Yeah, you already did. You, man, you're in the history books. Like, chill. This is your retirement phase, you know? Settle down. Get a house on the beach. Try surfing. Yeah, no, but you're, you're absolutely right. It's the standards. What are your standards compared to other people's standards? And with a condition like ADHD, where time is already a shaky foundation, like our, mm -hmm. our understanding of time, our intuiting time and the passage of time, it's already a shaky foundation. So on top of that, when you layer this desire for perfect, 
right? No matter how you, no matter how you define perfect, actually, yeah. at this moment, the obsession over perfect adds exponentially to our already shaky understanding of time, or I guess I should say exactly. subtracts exponentially. I mean, it all, it, yeah, it, it, it puts us on a, on a pretty shaky footing. Yeah, I mean, my wife told me this one time. She said, don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And I mean, that's, mm. a, that's a common mm. phrase, but I haven't, I, had, I didn't hear it until she pointed it out to me. Cause I would, I used to obsess about certain things, <laughs> especially <laughs> papers in college. She was there through grad school and I would sit there and stress and procrastinate and papers were one of those things. It was really hard to get done. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's just like, don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. And when I really took that to heart, and I thought about that phrase. I was like, yeah, you know what? It's like, it's better to be productive and get stuff done and get it done. Like I tell my clients this all the time, get it done to you, the best of your ability, given the level of energy, the mm -hmm. level of stress, the level of other bullshit that's in your life right now, whatever it is, it's getting in your way. Let that be you're good enough today. Because you're right. good enough today might not be what you could do in a perfect world under the perfect circumstances with the perfect level of energy with whatever, 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 whatever. Yeah. And, and we can hold out for that time and be like, well, I, I just need to wait until I really feel motivated and I really feel like I can right, do this. Right. And I have the muse, my schedule for the muse. completely cleared yeah. and I'm in this, this <clears throat> Zen sanctuary that's like totally carved out to be able to do this one little task and, and write my book or do my manuscript or whatever yeah, it I is. I found a cabin. It's in Joshua Tree. I paid the Airbnb <laughs> price. I've got four days and I'm going to work on this manuscript yeah, but for if you, four days straight. And that's all I have. I have these four days and that's it. But if you think about it, that is complete bullshit because right. producers do not sit and wait for the muse. You know, true creators, true people that reach levels of success and people that actually are, are at the top of their game, they don't sit there and think about, well, okay, it has to be perfect and this and that and this and that and question, question themselves and second guess themselves. They create. They do it. Right. They wake up. They write. They record. They produce. They do it again tomorrow. They wake up. They write. They record. They produce. Whatever it is, they just do it and they get it out. And then they refine based on what they learn from doing that. It, so whatever they produce today may not be the same thing they're going to produce tomorrow. It, it, they, they may look back and say, oh, man, that was shit. That was crap. But I did it last year. Don't even look at that stuff. It sucks. But hmm. guess what? No one else knows that. And, and, right. and when, they, when they get critically acclaimed after 20 years of producing and consistently churning out great stuff, right. that's, when, that's, that's the learning curve. And they, they achieve a, a different pinnacle of success just because they're consistently, consistently showing up and producing things versus people that sit back on their laurels and are like, oh, well, poor me, poor this. I, I don't have this. And if I only had enough time, if I did this. And, you know, a lot of people uh, say that stuff. And that yeah, just gets in your so, way. So many pieces of evidence come to mind. One massive argument on the other side that we haven't really tended to, devil's advocate style, is the not necessarily exclusively artistic, but it, it shows its face in the, the arts and entertainment world a, a little clearer. Mm -hmm. um, the design worlds, architecture, fine art, singing, performing, acting, writing, directing, etc. This discussion of 
perfection in art, I think you can expand to other industries as well. But in the art world, there is definitely, undeniably, a pursuit of perfection, of you know the, the Criterion Collection, which if you don't know what the Criterion Collection is for listeners, that is a a panel of film judges around the, from around the world essentially identifying and anointing either a film or a series of films by certain directors as greatest films of all time within their genre, right? With, with organizations and with groups, entities like that existing in that industry, there is such a call to arms, a call to action for perfection, right? What gets you that Oscar, that Tony? What gets you that Pulitzer Prize, that Nobel Prize? To expand, to expand even further into the sciences, maths, engineering, et cetera, there is this human call to action for innovation, um, uh, a cre- like creation, but like astounding creation, earth-shattering or earth-shaking creation, perfection, essentially, right? Well, well, but Stephen, you're kind of. <laughs> to shoot back on that. Yeah, you're, hit me. You're you're essentially saying that people that have gotten those accolades have produced perfect works. Interesting. I will say super briefly, I do not believe in perfect. I do not believe in absolute perfect, though I use the word probably way too much when describing some of my favorites, right? Um, I don't I don't actually definitively believe in perfect anything. I, I don't right. think I don't think it exists. I don't think there there is a perfect Well, anything. I think I think there's a difference attaining that pursuit of perfection versus right. creating something perfect or being perfect or reaching perfection. That's different. Okay, the unpack those. Un- unpack those, yeah. Because one's a destination, the right. other is a process. Sure, the destination sure. I in of, the process. Right. The, the destination of I, it needs to be perfect before I put it out there. It needs to be perfect right. before I'm happy. It needs to be perfect before I start. That's dangerous. That's dangerous and I think counterproductive. But if you have this pursuit of perfection, this I continually try to perfect my process. I continually try to improve upon what I did before and learn lessons from it and make course corrections. That's fine. But do you when do you when do you pull the trigger and say all right, good enough. Right, for today. you know what? You know what? Good enough for today reminded me of an anecdote from before I wanted to highlight. My professor in college, sort of the guy who ran our department he had a famous question that he would ask seniors who had just put up their thesis productions during the all-class sort of dissection, right, of that male or female show, classmates show. He would say, if you had two weeks, if you had two more weeks of anything, rehearsal, pre-production, production, if you had two more weeks before the show opened, what would you do? What would you do with those two weeks? And we'd have to explore what we would do extra that we didn't have time for. And it was a great yeah. practice and a great, you know, uh, a great practice in zeroing in what we should be focusing on the next time, the next iteration. But it also planted 
a small seed in all of our minds that blossomed over time. You didn't have two weeks, though. You didn't have an extra two weeks. So it, it's a it's a double-edged sword, right? On the one hand, here's what I would do in this pursuit of perfection if I had more time. But the reality is I didn't have more time. I had that's the budget the I had. I had that's the learn. No, but that's that's what you learn over time, right? Is that that question is twofold. Not only what would you do if you did, but also reflect and realize that what you accomplished within the time constraints was was all that you could accomplish. Like you can you can't go back and rewrite history. You would have done it essentially kind of the same way or in a similar way every single time if you kept repeating the past. Yeah. Or that a lot of or yeah. you or you can. Because that's the thing, like when I work with coaching clients, like yeah. if people say, oh, I tried my best. Okay, well, mm -hmm, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Does it mean I crammed the night before the exam and I stayed up all night and then I showed up at 5 a.m. Right. completely just sleep deprived and then I took the exam? Like, yes, that's your best for that day, given the circumstance. Right, right. But sure. that doesn't mean that's the optimal thing you need to do next time and that you should just repeat that pattern. The, re the reflection and the purpose of looking back and learning from, from these processes is that you can next time course correct and say, what can I do differently next time? Or what did I do this time that didn't work? What did I do that did work for me? Mm. What am I going to choose to hold on to and continue? And what am I going to... And let go of. Right. What am I going to let go of and, and not do the next time? Hold on tightly, let go lightly. I, I'm curious though. Where do you, Aaron, draw the line, or if that's not the right metaphor, how do you consolidate or compartmentalize activities, to-dos, projects that don't need perfection or, or your greatest input, greatest level of energy, intellect, and time mm -hmm. versus those areas to do's tasks actions that you personally define as essentially i guess top priority as greatest need of your attention etc like how do you well, actually personally i don't divide i don't divide it in that way because okay. i don't for personally i've found that that's not healthy i used to do it that way i used to say Brad. the things i really care about the things i really feel invested in I'm going to spend the greatest amount of time on those. I'm going to spend all my time on those. And everything else, I'm going to just say, well, screw it. Like, if it doesn't get done or it's late or whatever happens, I can procrastinate on that because I really don't care. Sounds but I'm going to spend like my all my time. school experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, For many of like us, that school. was high school or college. <laughs> and that was how I did it for most uh. of my life. And I realized over a number of years that that shit did not work because I would continually be underperforming in many aspects of my life and then I would be over delivering in some but usually it was at the expense of others so what I choose to do now is I I give myself deadlines or intermediate deadlines I set okay. things for myself I say okay look I'm my goal is to get this done my I'm going to give myself an hour to do this and because I've estimated that's how much time it should take based on what it took last time or what I feel the project should take. And then I do it to the best of my ability. I challenge myself to get it done in that period of time. And then I say, you know what? Whatever is produced from that period of time is what I run with. Because mm. I mm. have 
I think the productivity is about producing. You can't be productive without producing. So I've overcompensated in some ways or compensated, whatever you want to say, mm. to say, look, I'm, I'd rather produce more and okay. more consistently okay. than to stress out about what kind of quality of production I'm doing. Because obviously, like, you've seen this, like, with website design or other things. Like, I could spend huge amounts of time being like, okay, this isn't the right thing. I place it this right. way and I put it over right. here and I could increase the font or the size or the picture. I could do all sorts of stuff right. with website design or any the other potential project. is, is almost unlimited. It's, it's right. almost an in, infinite potential. But at some point you have to say, well, what's good enough to get to the next stage. And then you can come back later and, and refine it. I can always improve and update a web page. I can always improve and update something that I've done. A, a, right. a tutorial or a, a pamphlet or anything that I produce for a client or something, I can update it later that on. That is and have such version. a great, such a great point. You can always come back and update it. You're going to say what yeah. version, version 2.0 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you could, you could keep going ad infinitum. You can, you, there's always changes to be yeah. made. What I do such an today isn't my final masterpiece that I'm going to be happy with forever. It's like, okay, I did this today. Mm-hmm. Maybe this time next year, I'm going to come out with a new thing and, it'll, right. and I'm going to throw this away and I'll say, this is bullshit. And look at all these spelling errors I did on here on accident or something. And I don't want to use this. I, I looked right. back at a form recently that I gave to a client and yeah. I was hitting myself in the head. I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> this oh. has so many grammatical errors and spelling errors sure. for their, their kids behavioral plan. And I was just like, Oh man, I should have proofread this. But you know what? They adapted it. They they found it very useful. I don't even think the client noticed. I was kicking myself and being like hard on myself for it. And right, of course right. I went back later. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna correct this now that I realized it. I but, love I love the <laughs> the point the client probably didn't notice. Well, they didn't say <laughs> anything. Were, they didn't say ha- anything. Sure, they were they sure. they just printed it out and were like, Oh, this is great. I love it. Right. Uh, this but, works. but by all accounts, Aaron, that might have been honest. That might have been perfectly honest. They they genuinely could have been like, Who knows? This is great. Who knows? And you went home and you were kicking yourself and like, I'm gonna fix this. This is so bad. This is not to my standards. But that client could have gone home and been like, yeah, it's just a form. I'm just going to, okay, yeah, sign it. I don't give a shit. And then yeah. send it back to you. And meanwhile, you're stewing at home. Like, how do I make this form look perfect? Right. Two thoughts come to mind. One, a springboard, and one kind of a big philosophy. The, the springboard is any time that I've gone back to pieces of material over a long period of time, uh, say past three to five years ago, I think I'm I'm always shocked, right? I, I I'm always surprised by how much was lacking in those early versions of either a work of art or also like as you mentioned, forms, mm-hmm. contracts, documents, you name it. Just, you know, <gasps> oh my God, I can't believe I broke all these rules, right? <laughs> but that's life. Yeah. If it, we have you and I have two episodes of this podcast, prologue one and prologue two, that eventually Shh. we will either <laughs> I brought them. No, I'm kidding. Brought them out. Oh my god. No, I'm just. Kidding. No, we'll, but we we'll, no, we'll we'll Josh, put them we out. We will either sometime. release yeah. them as bonus material or re-record them or both. As an example, Those are for ADHD, imperfect episodes. Yes. yes. No. No. But that's. But the. But they're perfect for this. This topic because during a feature-length documentary that I was filming, 
in Huntington, Indiana, was where I was at the time, at a, at a Motel 6, yeah. you and I sat down and recorded our first Exactly, two and episodes. if we look back, like, it's like, how the fuck did you even... Were you even like mentally I, there I, enough? You were like falling asleep. It was asleep. like eleven thirty p.m. <laughs> when we started. I was using my phone as a daisy chain. I was using as a hot link for Wi-Fi because there I wasn't even Wi-Fi. There wasn't even Wi-Fi at that end of the motel. So like I was, I was also obliterating and it was my cell blistering phone. Blistering hot, and it, you like so left hot. the AC, AC on. AC was on for twenty minutes of one of the episodes. The AC was running, and then we had to it like re-record after we oh. did spent twenty minutes of recording with the AC on yeah yeah it was it was a train wreck but at that time in the moment that was the rocket fuel we needed to start that, exactly. that was the motivation we got to started. start this yes and that's we started and that's, somewhere that was our that's vomit the point draft. that's the point with ADHD yeah. how do you get started when do you get started what mm -hmm. do you need to get started and if you have your expectations so high and you set your sights so high that you think Oh, well, I need this, 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 this to right. get started. You're never going to get started. And that's where that procrastination and avoidance sets yep. in. But if you just say, look, what's the minimum I need to get started? What's the what's the minimum I need to do to no, make this thing exactly usable, useful, minimum. relevant, whatever? What's the minimum? Yeah. Like is this this but, works for a paper. This works for anything. Like yeah, what are the minimum yeah. requirements I need to do? Sure. Yeah. I could spend four hours investigating this topic and find extra resources and really intensely read these journal articles to get my paper done. Sure. Or I can say, what are the, what's the minimum requirements that I need for this paper and get those together first, the minimum, create the outline for the paper first. And then if I have time and the big question is the emphasis on if, right, if I have time, then I can, go back and add add on all those extra things and really invest myself. But if I don't, can I be okay with it? Can I say, all right, good enough, I'm done? I, I want to highlight this notion of the minimum to get started, all right? You and I talk an awful lot about the, this metaphor of the car and the ignition switch and starting the car, like motivation, right? Which is essentially all about motivation and ADHDers and how tough it is to get motivated. I wrote... Uh, a, a response to a Q&A for Attention Mag, which I sometimes contribute to, on this subject. My, the question that I received was from an artist, uh, an ADHDer who's an artist, who said, I, I've had a couple of successful works, but I'm in a, I'm in a, in a rut, and I, I, you know, I, I essentially have painter's block. I can't put something on the canvas. And my task was to give advice on the various ways to get started with the minimum amount of energy, right? So this person who's asking the question is, is essentially at the lowest p valley, right? The lowest trough of energy and willpower to get started. So what do you do? You play your favorite song by your favorite musician right now. You play your favorite album. You read a chapter of a book you're really digging. You watch an episode of something. You go for a jog. For ADHDers, exercise is key and one of the greatest motivators, right? Go out, run a mile, jog a mile, walk a mile, just take in the outside air. And what I always suggest to people is like, do the simplest task you could think of. So what I typically tell clients is that, you know, you find what's the easiest thing you can do. Is that put your name on the paper? Is it paste the copy and paste the essay prompt on the top of the page? Sure, is it sure. find your four sources and start 
copy and pasting quotes in there. Baby steps, folks. Baby is it, steps. Is it then taking those sources and putting it into some kind of thing like EasyBib or some kind of sure. citation generator? Is sure. it then making your outline, writing your your Yesterday, you and outline. I were making a calendar. We were making a calendar for this podcast, and I told you, I admitted, that it was easier for me. This was a selfish thing, right? To list out all of the Saturdays that we record these in an Excel spreadsheet and then put it into a calendar because I wanted to see, just for me, I wanted to see all the dates and the topics next to those dates and then move it into our calendar. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary step? No, necessary for me. It was necessary for this. Well, you wanted to visualize. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do that so I could visualize what was what we were doing. But then it's also interesting because you got started by just messing around with the color (laughs) and the background and the size of the font and the but but you (laughs) hot. Yeah. You got started. You know, you're like, I like to make the spreadsheet pretty, and that's important. (laughs) Right. Here's here's the, the but it made it easier gonna, right like yeah, by, yes, by made, adding the color step. yeah 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 and yeah. adding the little font changes and that kind of stuff they it, served their purpose yeah but for you like so that may not be important for everyone like everyone may right. not care about how pretty their spreadsheet is oh for some people color coding and organization is is paramount that's right. key. And right for so others, you have to know black and exactly white you and have to know yourself structure you have yeah. to know yourself well, what that what makes to, what gets you excited and engaged in in that task, and what yes. can get you started? So, as you say, what gets you excited? What gets you engaged? Key for ADHDers. There's our last sixty seconds, I believe. So this this actually all brings me to this point I was going to make earlier. I mentioned I had a springboard and a point. Right. Here's this big philosophical sandwich to chew on. There was an Ira Glass post on YouTube about taste that you may have listened to. It's about a minute and a half, two minutes maybe. It's a a lyric video about how we develop taste and how long it takes. It's similar to Malcolm Gladwell. It's got that 10 years, 10,000 hours flavor to it. But essentially, you have to work consistently and persistently and a lot over a long period of time before we as adults, right, after this long period of time, develop taste. Taste is unique to you. And that's what's so special about taste. It's your taste, what you define as good and bad taste. It's yours. It, for ADHDers, I think another key element in finishing things within a time frame or producing, as you say, right, being productive, producing a lot of work, is taste. The more that you can refine your own taste, write it out, put it on, a, on, a, on one of those, uh, um, like not a poster board, but you know what I'm talking about, like an uh, inspiration board, a motivation board, you know, magazine cutouts and printouts and photos, make a motivational board, write it down on a notepad. What do you like and what don't you like? Both of those add up to create taste. And the more that you can refine your unique taste, the the, the closer you get to good enough, I believe. Because if you can identify your tastes, right, whether you like this or you like that, apples or oranges, that will dramatically aid you in the process of completing basic tasks and big projects for your work, right? So so to me, one of these key elements this discussion boils down to is what are your tastes? What do you like and what do you dislike? And if you are, have a clear idea of what jives you, of what excites you versus what is dull and bores you, 
I think we can approach day-to-day tasks and even big projects with the confidence of what we like and the knowledge of what we do not like. And that will expedite the process of finishing things. That's at least something that I practice. And that can be very powerful. That can be exactly what what we need to just get started, get going, and be productive finally. So well said. It's fluid, right? It's not finite. All right. Well, this is a wrap. Woo! Yeah. I think I think it's safe to say this is episode <laughs> one of many. Of, of 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 imperfectly imperfect uh, or perfectly imperfect. Yes, right? well, we're gonna we're gonna have to come back to this because yeah. there's so much to say here. But um, this is a good. I think start. this is one of those umbrella episodes. Yes, we've got. There's we've a scratched lot more, the surface. We've scratched the surface. <laughs> there is so much to unpack with this topic. So yeah, we'll come back. All right. All right. Pretty good. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Good fucking enough. Let's we're Good done. enough. All right. You see what I mean? You got to be crazy. Too late to be sane. You got to go full tilt, full loop. Because you're only given a little spark of that. We are. If you lose that, you're nothing.